Hello, my name's Gregory Wilker. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Live with Greg. Today is November 17th, 2019, and last night I learned that my podcast had way exceeded the resources I have to keep it alive as a video podcast. So I am actively working to move it to an audio podcast. The video is still available on my website, gregorywoker.com, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Live with Greg. Thanks for your support. another episode of Live with Greg, and I'm here with Catherine Stone that I met through my daughter Robin when she interviewed you. <laughs> Which was so fun. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved what she did with the interview. Yeah. So you saw the whole thing. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. She's, she's amazing. She's good. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure that in her high school class that she convinced many young mothers-to-be to to breastfeed. Well, it certainly was a convincing (laughs) argument, yes. (laughs) It was irresistible. (laughs) And I thought what was interesting is um, you mentioning the sanctity of the house. I don't think you used that word, but how the environment is so important to being able to lactate. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the times we're in, at least in our immediate environment, the peace of a life and household is kind of a rarity. Yeah. Yeah. And yet it's essential. And um, I'm trying to, in my pregnancy meditations, inspire women to, you know, be proactive in designing their environment and putting their foot down and, you know, saying this is what I need, this is what baby needs. This is what we need for all of this to work. Um, Here's what interests me in being with you today. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of your literature you have, which is on goddess energy and feminism and empowering the feminine. And I mentioned to you that my mom got me a poster, which I loved and still love, that a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. That's who I grew up with. <laughs> um, and I, I, in one of my episodes, I was with a gentleman, um, Donald Lacey, who is a black gentleman. And what was of interest to me is how can me, the stereotypical enemy, the white European male, be um, an ally in a black person's life. And I believe that the... So in, in a way, I'm here today as the enemy, but I know you don't really see it that way, but how how do men and women, women, live in peace and harmony together. That's what is of interest to me. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I'm a doula, 
Um, and I see a lot of young, uh, young families. And I'm amazed and astounded and delighted and thrilled to see the beauty of the harmony that these families create. The, sh the love, the unconditional love and support that these young mothers and fathers give each other and the way that they just kind of dance the roles, you know, and the responsibilities. Uh, whereas, of course, we all know that when a baby is first born, there's only the mother. <laughs> you know, she has the breasts, she's the body in which the child gestated and grew, and so she's the whole universe for the child, so there's no switching that out. But um, the harmony is is really beautiful, um, and I don't. I wonder sometimes, you know, we're I'm I'm witnessing evolution, you know, in because it, that kind of harmony didn't exist when I was having babies. Uh, and I didn't see it very much in other people, at least, you know, and of course that could be also just my own evolution, that I was more combative, <laughs> and more, you know, not knowing how to create peace and attracting, of course, to myself all of those disparate elements that, you know, including friends and associates who were not at peace. But... Um, I'm very pleased to see so much beauty in the relationship between mothers and fathers and men and women. Of course, I'm seeing them with their babies. Um, I'm not seeing them in their much in their couple before the baby, uh, except when I meet with them in pregnancy. And of course, that is definitely. Um, an indication of what's going on with the couple. And, you know, every once in a while you can see that there are problems, and of course when the baby comes, sometimes it can go either way. <laughs> Everything blows up, or, you know, they just really, really knuckle down and make it work. Do you Okay, so you, you use the word doula, and are you also a midwife, or do you, you just I practice as a doula? I just practice as a doula and a lactation specialist. Okay. Yes. Do you do you work with midwives? Mm-hmm. I work with midwives. I work with OBs. Yeah. So sometimes you're in a hospital environment, sometimes you're in a home environment. That's right. Have you noticed a difference in... A harmony and presence from a hospital environment and a home environment. In other words, is part of the harmony you see because a couple who chooses a home birth? No. No? No. That's no. great news. <laughs> That's wonderful news. No. There's so many elements, that, factors that go into that choice, you know primary is just financial, you know, because if you have medical insurance, the hospital's going to be paid for, and you usually can't get a home birth midwife covered by your insurance. Um, you know, and 
what do the in-laws think and the grandparents, you know, and of course I've had home births where they didn't tell anybody that they were having a home birth and, you know, tried to make them think that they were giving birth at the hospital and please don't visit us at the hospital, we'll, t- we'll get in touch with you when we get home, <laughs> kind of thing. But, um, no, it, it, um, it doesn't really, there's no correlation between that relationship between the man and the woman and whether they choose a home or a hospital birth. Right. So now moving more towards the core here, you earlier before the camera started, uh, we were talking about Shakti and Shiva, and you said that that is the balance of energy inside you. And is that a balance you still are pursuing in your life, or have you found that balance? Um, I feel that I'm pretty balanced right now. You know, I've been celibate for over 10 years, um, and I, I feel, I do feel pretty balanced. You know, I'm, I'm on an even keel. Um, I'm not, you know, there's no more drama. <laughs> you know, which is wonderful. Do you think it's possible to maintain a sexual relationship with that same element of peace? Certainly. Certainly. I think anything is possible for any human being. We can do whatever we want and our souls direct us. I think that that level of peace ongoing probably requires that both partners be into the worship of God. You know, where they are really devoted to their spiritual practice. And that that is way up and above, you know, any physical act that they may in indulge in from time to time. Um, Do you think there's some primary energies in male and primary energies in female that differentiate the two? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in in general, yes. Yeah, in general. I mean, that's why men and women pair up. (laughs) and that's why we see all of that activity everywhere now what about men and men pairing up and women and women pairing up I really have no idea about that I don't know I've always been heterosexual Um, passionately so (laughs) in the past I just don't know you know, I don't know about that, but I'm assuming that there must be something similar as far as, you know, the positive and the receptive energies predominating in one or the other. But I could be wrong. In, I don't know. In your experience, do you think 
the receptive is a feminine energy and the positive is a masculine energy? Yeah. In general. Right. You know, in general. And we women, I know among <clears throat> my friends, and I'm, I'm, I'll be 70 this year, um, learning to think logically, learning to um, not be emotional and not be ruled by your emotions, um, eliminating that drama from your life and becoming more proactive in designing the way that you want your life to be, um, which are more masculine traits, uh, creates a wonderful new life. Um, earlier in life, for many women, we're kind of at the mercy of our hormones. There's a lot of hormone activity going on in women's bodies. And a lot of women are able to transcend that and just just power on through and, you know, go ahead and become a, a doctor or a psychologist or, you know, whatever and um, just not give it all that much heed. But for a, a lot of women, um, those little messengers rule. Well, that's now that's great that you referred to them as messengers because I think that there is credence to the messenger. There, the youthful joy of holidays is emotional. Um, and when I imagine a life without that joy de vivre, which I see as emotional. It, there's an emptiness to it. Well, I'm not at all saying that you should strive for an emotionless life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that when you don't allow your emotions to rule you, you're happier. There's a, every part of us is given to us by God. Every part of us is meant to be used. Every part of us has a purpose. And it's our job to figure out what that purpose is and to use everything correctly and joyously and with wisdom. And it takes everybody, however long it takes, <laughs> to figure it out, you know? I mean, it's like this body, you know, is a fabulous machine, you know, it's like Rolls-Royce, you know, <laughs> what are you going to, what kind of fuel are you going to put in it, you know, how are you going to treat it, you know, if you figure out what this particular biochemical beast needs and to, to function optimally, you can make it work and you can be disease and pain-free for decades upon decades upon decades. <laughs> Whereas if you don't figure it out and you're not even thinking about it and you're just kind of like pell-mell, you know, doing whatever with it and just being unconscious, all of a sudden it breaks down. You know, 
and sometimes that's irretrievable. You can't go back and fix it. <laughs> sometimes it's just gone. And Mother Nature says, okay, <laughs> that's that. it. Yeah. Maybe we can try again another lifetime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all meant to be used. We just have to figure out how best to do it. So on that train of thought about, um, are you vegan or vegetarian? Uh, I switch back and forth from vegan to vegetarianism. I don't eat eggs, but I will have a little dairy from time to time, and then sometimes not. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there, um, there are two people in my life that I'm very fond of that are um, very passionate vegans. Mm-hmm. And I did some research myself and found what is in, in what what the process is that brings dairy to my table. Mm. And I really my hats off. I called Strauss Dairy, mm-hmm. and um, they were very open and honest, which I really admire because mm-hmm. the answers I heard, I was like, oh, I was hoping for a different answer. I um, mean, how the little. The little calves are taken away from their mothers and they're not allowed to have the milk. Right. And the life expectancy of a mother's seven years, where left in a natural environment, it's 15 to 20 years. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah I, I'd heard that via an article that a friend sent me. Well, my mom was raised on a farm. She lives in Nicaragua. And when I got off the phone from Strauss with I called her up and said, what's the... And she told me, like, 20 years? I was like, oh, oh. Yeah. It's that um, assembly line mentality, the mass production of a product from a living being. That is... uh, It's so shocking. Yeah. It's so shocking. I mean, to just totally negate the value of life in a, in another creature you know and to um, to to harden the heart against the suffering of of other sentient beings who are really here to help us and to love us and to be you know coexistent with us on this planet right. it's um, it's heartbreaking it's just heartbreaking over and over and over and over again because you keep running up against it. And talking earlier about you not letting your emotions rule you. Right. One can really get caught up in that emotional... Well, yeah, or not, you know? I mean, because I think a turning point in, in my life was... Um, just the hatred of violence, you know, and, and I was a battered woman, so I went through a lot of violence earlier in my life, um, and I just wanted so much to lessen violence in the world, but I finally realized that really the only world that I had any any power over was this one <laughs> this one right here yeah. and so I had to you know 
cleanse my thoughts and cleanse, purify my emotions and make my diet be violence-free as much as possible. And that was like 43 years ago. And it made, I mean, it just made a huge difference in my life. I didn't have any nightmares anymore. Um, I became a friend of animals. I'd always adored animals. But, um, oh my God, I would have awful dreams about the suffering of animals before I became, you know, I, I stopped eating them. <laughs> Conscious eater. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it, it makes... It's very sad. It's I can't look at a lot of things. I never go to movies. <laughs> I, if there's any violence, um, I I can't watch it. I don't want to watch it. It's not going into me. But if it does, um, it's it's a terrible, terrible thing to um, try to remove it from my consciousness. It takes a long time, and I've always been that way. So I, I was told by someone that it, I'm an empath because when I see violence, it's like it's being done to me, and I feel it as if it was being done to me. So I can't just look at it impassively and say, "Oh, that's just a movie," or "Oh, that's just a photograph." When I was, I don't even know if I should tell you this. It's up to you. Yeah, just before you go further, like part of what I do with this process is I don't edit. Mm-hmm. So That's you, right. yeah. I'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> um, Wondering like so much to branch off with, but then thinking, well, I want to stay on topic because part of what um, interested me in being with you was, I believe from your experience, you have a very rich, deep connection to the feminine essence. Um, Let me ask you this, because I I believe the um, archetype that at least Western civilization civilization operates from is men are violent, and um, and I think of Kali and the Hindu who. You know, um, also learned she's the well someone you know someone a teacher said she's also the most compassionate of the deities so you have this deity who you could see from a very surface glance is very violent in presence and a lot of eruption a lot of rendering however from 
this teacher, this teaching, they said there's also, there's, you know, being the most compassionate of the deities, that this rendering comes from compassion. So it may feel violent, it may seem violent, but it's really moving one more towards love, the essence of... <laughs> Which is a very long-winded way to ask, have you encountered or become conscious of the essence of violence in the feminine energy. Oh, absolutely. I don't think you can divide it between men and women. I think it's, you know, it's part of human nature. You know, it's a, you know, it's, I'm not going to talk about Kali here, or, you know, all of that is a whole different level of, of discussion, but um, the violence that we see in humanity is equal between men and women, I think. There are many men who, you know, can't bear to hurt anything, you know, um, and many women who are, you know, bloodthirsty and, you know, revengeful and <laughs> wanting to kill. Um, it's a, you know, it, it's ignorance equally spread <laughs> amongst souls. It's ignorance that, you know, doing, taking, taking life, hurting the body, you know, torturing the body is going to in some way bring a good outcome. You know, I mean, people do things because they enjoy them or they think it will make them happy or, you know, there's a reason. You know, it will give them power and that will make them happy or it will remove this person from, you know, their life and then they can achieve what they really want to achieve and all of this. I mean, it's all false. All that reasoning is false. So it's all based on ignorance. And it, I don't see that men are more ignorant than women. You know, it, it's all individuals and just individual souls. And, you know, we all wake up at different times and it's God's garden with the flowers that are budding and blooming and each has its own time. You know, we have nothing to do with it. It's all God's garden. <laughs> I'm, I might be a little hesitant to ask this question, but I'll go ahead and ask. You can do it. You, know, you don't have to answer anything. Um, well, there's a couple of things. One, in, in my experience, my sexuality seems to be the essence of spring. It's the energy of new growth, new shoots, and it seems that sharing that with someone who is honoring it in that manner and receiving it and giving of themselves in that manner, that's a divine experience. And I also, this is a quick story, I have this experience, and it's a real story, that I saw a doe 
get hit by a car. And she got up and could move quickly and got off the road. And there was a buck off the road that I didn't see, but they came together and made it. And what I witnessed, in my mind, I could be making it up, was that was an act of healing. It was an act of healing. It wasn't co-creation. Hmm. Well, that's beautiful. <laughs> God gave you that vision for a purpose. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can think whatever you want about your sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, well, so, you know, yeah, so I hear you saying, like, you've made your choice. I have a choice in my life. It's yeah. my choice. Everyone has their personal choice. Yeah. Can't make any generalizations. Right. <laughs> it's all individual choice and consciousness and soul unfoldment, soul growth. You know, it's where, wherever it is that you're at. And there's no judgment about that that's like what's less about that rose that's going to bloom tomorrow and that one over there that already bloomed you know right they're both gorgeous they're both divine sense and you know they're they're beautiful so you really are in a place where you just hold it all as, like you said, God's garden. You see all the differences, the similarities, and look at that beautiful thing. I like that. Yeah, I, I want to love all of it, you know? I want to love everybody and love it all, you know? And the, I find that the way that that is possible is to not look at individuals as, you know, <laughs> bodies with this color and that color and this kind of um, education and that kind of education and that nationality and that ethnicity and that religion. But to just see them as souls. Just see them as souls. And we're all traveling the same path as souls, trying to get back to God. (laughs) Why did we leave in the first place? (laughs) (laughs) He wanted us to leave. He wanted to have a show. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That seems a little <laughs> misogynistic. Or, no, it's not the right word. Sadistic? Sadistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's enjoying. He's enjoying. He's entertaining himself. Or herself. Or both of them. Right. It's entertainment. You know, we, we can't take it really too seriously. You know, because the soul can't be, doesn't get born and it doesn't die. It lives forever. The soul is part of God. So that part, you know, can't be touched by anything or anyone. It's immortal. It's eternal. You know, that's why Kali is, you know, (laughs) ripping things apart. But, you know, that body, that body, this incarnation, that incarnation, but the soul... She can't touch the soul. The soul lives on. That individual soul lives on. <laughs> and is part of God and is with God in between the incarnations. Or during an incarnation, if it's a yogi. So in your life, do you have experiences where it is more... Because you said earlier 
it may have been off camera about making the choice where you finally go, this is real. And there's no more wondering about whether God is real or not. It sounds like you're in a place where God is real. Yes, although I don't, I have a long way still to go to have that one-on-one experience with God constantly. Constantly. Uh, amen. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> but yes, I have had um, many, many experiences of um, pr- deep prayer. I don't pray for myself, I pray for others. But when what I have prayed for has happened, many, 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 many times, so that it's, I know absolutely for sure that God is there and is listening and grants my wishes if it's for the highest good of that person. Right. You know? And, you know, it's usually around birth and in babies. <laughs> you know, souls coming in and mothers and fathers. and Yeah. Have you ever had an experience with someone dying, being with someone passing away? Yes, I have. And have more than once? Yes. Do you find there's a similarity? Yes. It's a birth. It's a birth. It's wild. It's a birth. It's just at the other end of this physical, material life. It's it's another birth. It's your birth onto the astral plane. All right, this question just popped up. How, as a male, this time around, can I be an ally in a woman's life? By loving God. By loving God and being the most noble, the most self-controlled in all aspects of your being. Boy, that trade's been a wreck for a few weeks now. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, if you can be a rock that she can steady herself against, you know, you can be an ally. If you're all over the place, you can't be an ally. I mean, there have to be things that you know are true at 53. You've got to know a couple things, maybe just one or two. Right? That's all you really need is this one or two things that you really know. Because when we come in, we don't know anything. (laughs) Right? And then we have to go through all this life experience to begin to know, okay, well, (laughs) that's what my parents told me, but I don't know if that's right. And then we have to, like, you know figure it out against what does everybody else think and (laughs) what is life saying to me about this and you know I mean it's a whole process of discovery whether what's been told to you is been is true is really true until you find out okay now (laughs) all right it's distilled down I know maybe one or two things (laughs) (laughs) and that's really good you know, because a lot of people go through their lifetimes and they don't know that. They don't even know one thing, for sure. You know? They have a lot of opinions. They've right. accepted without even thinking about it all kinds of, uh, you know, things that other people say. You know? 
they don't know anything. So um, if you know a couple things, you can be you can be trusted because you know, and then you can be an ally for someone. You know, you can be someone that they can, if you can be trustworthy, and you can be trusted, absolutely trusted. Know, to your word is your bond to keep your word to be self-controlled to you know not fly off the handle um, then you know that's most of the battle that sounds real for anyone male or female to mm-hmm. be trusted to be trustworthy. And that trustworthy comes from a groundedness of knowledge yeah. of self. Yeah, experience. Yes. 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 To know that when someone says, don't tell anybody, that you won't tell anybody. And to know, um, you know, when you, <laughs> that you're not going to get drunk. To know, you know, that you're not going to go against what you know. To know that you're not going to get furious at something that happens and try to hit somebody. You know? <laughs> All those things. You know? To know that you're not going to lie. To know you're going to tell the truth, that you're going to adhere to the truth. No matter what. Right. Now, the truth can only be spoken from one's knowledge. Yeah. And I think everyone in in a given moment speaks their truth. Well, that's philosophical. That's like, you know, what I think about this and what I think about that. That's my truth. You think there's more... Were you there? Did you do that? <laughs> yes or no? Right. <laughs> Did you take that? Yes or no? Alright. <laughs> well, that seems like everything's covered that I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> we covered it all. Wow. We covered it all, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything more that you would like to speak to or speak about? No, I feel like a like a brown toey scratching in the dirt. What's that? <laughs> a brown toey? Did you? Yeah. Like you know, your brown toe? No, no. That's the name of a, of a of a just a little bird that's around here a lot, uh, you know, and just you know, you barely scratch the surface. Well, we could go go deeper. I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to do it though. That's okay. We can wrap it up. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You're welcome. For you.